0: Okay, welcome to the United Pubcast, and the podcast we have been waiting a very, very long time for. The English Premier League is finally back, but obviously United doing things tough. We do have to wait another week, but we definitely will be talking all things United. But I think also um, look at the Premier
1: League results over the weekend. Larry, did you watch the Premier League? Yeah, mate. um happy to catch a little bit of it. Uh, I have to say the Leeds-Liverpool game was brilliant to watch. Like, I mean, if you were a neutral, that was a fantastic game. Uh, I have to be honest, there was a part of me semi-rooting for Leeds. Um, I, I don't know where you would have sat. I mean, obviously, I, if I could choose both teams to lose, I would. But yeah, I'm kind of disappointed that Liverpool pipped that one in the end. Well, with that Liverpool-Leeds game, do you remember last year when penalties
0: didn't count, when Bruno scored penalties, but suddenly Salah scored a hat-trick and two penalties and... He's um well and truly deserving his place on the Golden Boot race.
1: Yeah, it's amazing that, but as you know, different rules for Manchester United. Um but that's what happens when you're the biggest club in the world. Everyone's just obsessed with you. Well, look, the Leeds Liverpool game yeah, as as a neutral, which we
0: definitely don't we're definitely both not a neutral in that. We both hate both teams, but it obviously was a fascinating game. I think it was 3-all at um maybe early in the second half or even halftime it was 3-all and then obviously a late winner. It was a very dramatic game. But obviously, the 9.30 kickoff on a Saturday night here in Sydney was Arsenal-Fulham. What do you think of that? I didn't think Arsenal... Look, Arsenal deserved winners, but they were against a championship team, pretty much, and I thought they weren't really anything special, but they walked away with a 3-0 win and suddenly Arsenal fans believe they're going to win the treble.
1: I mean, that's typical Arsenal, isn't it? I mean, I didn't watch Arsenal fan TV because I only watch when they lose. Uh, However... Look, I did think they did play well, but again, you have to take it all into context. Um, it is the first game of the season, and I did say when we did our preview last, uh, last week, uh, I expect Arsenal to actually start fast, but I think once their depth is challenged, uh, they will eventually fall off like they always do.
0: Now, before we move on to Man United matters, it'll be rude not to mention the ex-Man United manager and his fine form to start the season, Jose Mourinho starts the season I think it's the first time he's ever lost an opening day game I think they said or maybe a home game on opening day um, you see that result when you woke up this morning
1: yeah I mean look it is the new Jose um, however it's not the new Jose that he's been portraying it's a Jose of mediocrity and you can't help but wonder how much did Riri Ferrier have to play in terms of his success because farrier was with him you have to remember for about what was it 15 20 years. That's a long time for someone to be your partner in crime and all of a sudden he's gone. And since he's left, he fell apart at United, didn't work out at Chelsea. And you're seeing that at Tottenham. We said their transfer window, astute signings, but not great signings. And I think there's already signs that the wheels are going to come off very quickly.
0: Well, yeah, definitely watch this space. Because like we mentioned in the podcast last week, I think when things do go south under Mourinho and at Tottenham, um, it will be fascinating viewing. if not just on their documentary, but um, week by week. I don't think Tottenham have a fan channel, but if they do, someone please send me the link because I don't mind seeing a Tottenham fan have a bit of a cry from now and then. But we'll move on to United and look. Negative news, positive, whatever it is, whatever way you take it. Um, I think it is only fair to discuss the Mason Greenwood. Um, saga. Now we won't touch on the England internet. The England saga when he was with Phil Foden over in I think they're in Iceland, were they? Obviously that's yesterday news. But we have seen recently leaked footage has come out of him doing one of those balloons, a little bit of laughing gas, which look it's not illegal, but it's um, obviously not um, ideal for your health sort of thing. So he hasn't done anything illegal. Um, But he has inhaled a little bit of laughing gas, which is obviously frowned upon, especially for a professional athlete. However, my issue, and I think this is what we're going to discuss here, is the Sun. Look, we all know what you think of the Sun, everyone thinks of the Sun newspaper, but they have reported this as, this is a recent thing and only happened weeks before he joined up on the England duty. Now, look, who knows? However, if you're going to look at stuff, he doesn't have his tattoo, which he had months ago. He doesn't have the same. He's got the haircut that he had when he was 16. And we all see how big Mason Greenwood is now. This is 10 kilos ago. He's obviously very skinny in this video. So instead of two weeks ago, this looks like it was two years ago. And a clear sort of sign of maybe the media turning against Mason Greenwood and potentially being um, the new target for the um, English press. Because we have seen Raheem Sterling in the past... Um, be targeted, and wrongly so. And the media was rightfully called out for their treatment of Raheem Sterling, and since they were called out of that treatment, they've almost turned on to Raheem Sterling and really portrayed him in a positive light, a positive role model. So they can't really go in on Raheem Sterling anymore, and they needed, they definitely need a new target. And I feel they're going to use Mason Greenwood as a new target. He's got to be the new pin-up boy of English football, and I think they have built him up as this new super- or potential superstar and I think people like the Sun, or newspapers like the Sun, are just ready to hack him down, and I think it's already started.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a concern um, with English press in general. They have this obsession with burning out their own players and turning on their own players, and it's really unfortunate. I mean, you can this goes back in terms of uh, my childhood and what I've seen. Uh, David Beckham after I think it was '98, uh, the Euros. Um, He was. He was. Sorry, sorry. World Cup. Yeah. Um. He was treated awfully, um. And I remember there was, there was images of um. They like hung dolls or uh, imitations of him, and they were burning it, and it was all over the press. And um. But the what I do find in terms of a positive, and um, is that it's just a sign that United are back, because Tom. What's Manchester United renowned for? And what of us as fans, what have we always reveled in? It's that hatred towards us. We always have that saying about us, you know, loved to ador- uh, you know, um, it skips my mind, but it's always about... Hey, we're, hey we're
0: adored, in- never ignored.
1: Exactly. I'm running on four hours sleep. You'll have to give, forgive me, but... That's the thing. And that's that's what we're getting back to. I'm starting to see that hatred back towards Manchester United. And it's just because of the way we finished last season. You can see that we've got a true Manchester United man in Oli. And this is a real challenge of his man management as well. Because you have to take into account what's happened with Harry Maguire in the offseason. And then we've now got a young kid who has the world at his feet in terms of what he could achieve in the game. And this is going to be a challenge for him to really keep his head screwed on. Um, but I think there's a good team there at United and I think he'll come through this. It is a it is a learning curve and, you know, it can't be easy being an 18-year-old when you've got all that money, all that attention and the way he finished last season. Um, you know, the spotlight is inevitably going to be on him. I just hope he, you know, just he just needs to have some good people around him. I hope there's good leadership and um, a strong family behind him just to say, don't worry about it. Keep the noise in the background and we'll get through this. Um, and I hope to see that he has, he responds with a big season and hopefully a big game on the weekend.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. Well, he definitely does need to learn from it. And again, it's not great news to be out there, but um, you do have to try and see the positive of it. And it has happened young and hopefully the dressing room and the fans do rally around him because, well, it's not only him. We've seen Harry Maguire's got his own trouble, so it can happen to someone in the prime of their career or at the start of their career. And um, it will take everyone—fans, players, managers, staff—to all rally behind, and as you say, almost have that siege mentality of united against everyone else. Because I saw for anyone who's in Australia, Australian listeners, um, Optus Sport. Oh my God! I know they, I know half the staff at Optus like Liverpool, but now they've jumped on the Leeds bandwagon, and everything on Optus Sport is pro Liverpool and pro Leeds. So um. Yeah, the hatred of United um, is definitely coming back, which is a good thing, I think. While it is frustrating at times, I think we do have to try and steal the positives from it. But before we get on to the football, I don't think this is positives. I think we mentioned the word transfers and the initial thought is negative. Um, Tiago, Sancho and Regulon are the three names I think we'll discuss. Well, Sancho, I don't think there's much to discuss. Same old story. The situation is if United pay the price, United will get him. At the moment it doesn't look like United are gonna pay the price. But just the latest you've heard on Tiago, it looks like he's pretty much got a 50-50 choice of who he wants to join, Liverpool or United.
1: Yeah, I mean the reports coming out in the last few hours has been uh, Uli Honas who was Bayern Munich's former president. And um, he's saying that um, he expects well, he's saying Tiago has an agreement with Manchester United. Now he obviously would have an ear um at Bayern Munich and in terms of what happens in the boardroom and look I I'm always skeptical when I see these sorts of things I think um the ex Real Madrid uh, president um I don't know his first name Calderon um he, there was a few he's made a few comments about United and Bale in the past and so you have to always take it with a pinch of salt um but look Tom you have to say the prospect of a Thiago Pogba Bruno midfield, and then you throw Van der Beek in there in terms of depth, and then you have to remember we've got McTominay and Fred behind them. One Mata almost feels like a forgotten man. That is a the prospect. I'd I'd definitely say that could be the best midfield in the league, and in fact, it could be one of the best midfields in Europe. Um, I just really think if we if United can get Tiago, we might lose something defensively, but the the potential for the football we could play it would be frightening. And then when you consider what's in front of them. Goodness me! I mean, if you can, if you can get that deal done, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Sancho. But oh, mate, like it, it's eye-watering prospects. It really is. Well, definitely I, I echo your thoughts um, completely there in regards to Thiago, and I don't need to add anything
0: more because he's obviously a player I rate really highly. However, again, I do think he will end up at Liverpool. But the the question I will throw to you here, okay, the the at one hundred percent fantastic, would welcome with open arms, spend the money, bring him in. However. The the reports I'm reading are that he's whether the bid goes in from Liverpool or United, who knows how much um, each ten bids, but it looks like he is indefinitely in discussion with both teams. And from whatever report, he has agreed with United and also agreed with Liverpool. We both agree that the player is fantastic. However, is there a part of you that says, "Well, is that the, not the type of personality?" But if a player is close to joining Liverpool and would then choose United, maybe because there is a better pay package on offer or a better deal in that aspect. Do you think that's the type of personality we should be bringing in? Someone who wants to come to United but is more than happy to jump ship and go to Liverpool. Do you think that's someone as great as he is that you would welcome, or do you just see the footballer? Because we've seen great players come in before and not have their sort of heart one hundred percent committed
1: to United. It's a tricky one because I think when you're an elite footballer, and the thing we have to take into account here is we are fans and we follow the English game more than any other league. With uh, particularly Spanish players, there's obviously not as much of an emphasis on rivalries in England. And for them, it would be about the opportunity of playing in the Premier League, but winning trophies. So I think once they're actually embedded into a club, then they start to build that love for it. You know, Oligana Solskjaer, he was actually a Liverpool fan, but he comes to Manchester United and look at him now. He's he's the manager. He loves Manchester United. And I remember when he was the manager of... um, Cardiff, um, he got a, a question about Liverpool's title prospects and he, he couldn't care less. So it just shows that once you're embedded into a club, um, obviously you can be almost um, marinated in the heritage. Um, so I wouldn't be too concerned. I, from Thiago's point of view, he's 29, so he is approaching, still in his peak, but approaching the back end of his career. I can understand wanting to make the right fit You want it all to fall into place for you. You don't want to go anywhere with any regrets. So I honestly have nothing against the player. And, you know, you have to say his agent's probably doing the right thing if we're looking at this from a neutral perspective. But I have no concern. And in fact, if you actually look at it from the prospect of the player, I know you're saying you expect him to go to Liverpool. You'd think United's style would actually complement his game a lot better. So um, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful rather than, you know... Confident that this will get done But um, I definitely think it's a prospect uh, That could happen And I think it might just drag on though I I can't see this still getting done this week Fingers crossed But um, moving on to another Spaniard Someone we discussed in the last couple of podcasts
0: Obviously the left back from Sevilla Well looks like his Sevilla days are over He's on his way back to Real Madrid Um, Regulon, Regulon, however you want to pronounce it Just the latest on him Fabrizio Romano has just tweeted uh, Literally just before we went on air saying that he's on his way back to Real Madrid. United definitely want the player. He wants to come to United. However, there does look to be a 30 million, I think it was euro, I'll I'll go with euro, a 30 million euro transfer fee, which United is somewhat reluctant to pay. And also there's an insistence from Real Madrid to include a buyback clause, um, which we've done this dance, or a similar dance, um, different scenario with um, Haaland from Dortmund. Just your thoughts on, okay, whether you bring the left back in or not, or if you rate him as a player. In terms of spending, say roughly maybe twenty to thirty million on a player. However, Real Madrid having that option of a buyback, do you? Is this something where you can sort of side with the club and think, "Well, hang on, okay, we. Sh-. It's easy money to spend, but you can understand why they're a little bit hesitant too."
1: Yeah, of course. Um, you know, the reality is we are in a COVID world or or a post-COVID world in respect of the football has resumed. Um, fans are still not coming back into the ground. So I think that's the that's the issue here. We're seeing quotes for players as if nothing's happened. And because the market is so unpredictable where these clubs, even even for Manchester United, even for Real Madrid, you don't know what impact this is going to have in your finances in 12 months' time. They're preparing for the worst in terms of maybe fans are not back in the next 12 months. So if that's the case, can you really afford to be throwing €30 million Euro at a left-back? And you can understand the risk that comes with that. Now, is he a good player? Yeah, absolutely, he is. Does he improve United's starting eleven? Again, I'd say yes. But is it a priority for United? I don't think so. Shaw looked good, and obviously, we'll look it. We'll go into the Aston Villa match. I actually thought he looked really good in that. He actually pushed beyond the halfway line for once, which was fantastic to see. Is he the weak point of it, of this team? Is he really the difference between us winning the title or? coming second I don't think he is and if you're looking at it from United's point of view this is a deal that you'd like to get done if the price is right but is it a priority I don't think so And so I can sort of understand the hesitance to fork it out if you like um, you want to get this deal done but at the right price
0: yeah no I completely agree I think if we had signed a centre-back and signed Jadon Sancho this would be a positive people would say Look, it would be great if we can get him. However, if the club don't feel it be the right bit of business, we can understand the club's point of view. However, with no other business, van der Baker aside, this looks like the club sort of not pulling their weight and not doing enough because of the frustration um, elsewhere in regards to our other priorities. But we will, we'll move on to the Villa match you just mentioned there. And I must admit, I haven't watched the whole game, but my main takeaway from it, which I'll obviously get your thoughts, the zebra kit with the black shorts. Look, I'm not going to say I'm going out to buy it, but it probably wasn't as bad as first feared. I think. Look, I'm not saying it was a great kit, but decent enough, and it wasn't a shocking kit. I thought the black shorts and black socks.
1: I gotta say, mate, I think it's growing on me. I thought it was shocking, but the more I look at it, I'm like, uh, I think I could. I think it could be. Uh, I think it could be on my back, by, by Christmas, might be a little gift to myself. I'm thinking.
0: Yeah, no, nah, definitely. Um, but as I said, it could be a classic kid. Someone scores in a um, last minute at Anfield, scores that, I'm telling you, goes down as a classic kit. But I'm hoping it stays with the black shorts. I don't think white shorts um, will do it many favours. I think you might as well wear the zebra shorts. But onto the football. Um, I didn't watch the game, but I've caught all the sort of highlights. And quite, I would say, pleasingly is, look, you're obviously going to get idiots on Twitter who have a moan that we lost to Aston Villa in a pre-season match. But a lot of the sort of reports I read and sort of fans' opinion was that the first half was actually quite good. They sort of held their hands up and said, OK, we went into the break 1-0 down, but we were the dominant team and we actually played quite well and they are quite praiseworthy. And some of the players like Luke Shaw had a good game. Apparently Dan James looked lively. Van obviously added a little bit of quality in midfield. So just from what you saw of the game, um, what did you make of it?
1: Yeah, not too concerned. Um, I've never been one to read in a preseason games because, you know, they don't mean anything. Um, but if I just look at it purely for the fact of the players need to get fit they got minutes in their legs Um, there was glimpses from every player some players looked uh, flat at certain points but that's fine Um, like it's one game so no stress at all it wasn't our strongest eleven as well I think that needs to come into account here and you know I I think in saying that um, there's no excuses come this weekend Um, United need to get the three points you just say there, okay, it wasn't our first 11, and of course it wasn't. But do you
0: look at that start in 11 or the players who played, not, not so much the young kids, like the ones who are making their debut sort of thing, but just that first 11 in general? Do you think you can just put it down to, okay, it's a unique circumstance, we had so many players out, half the team's got coronavirus, half are travelling back, half are in quarantine, or do you really look at it and think, hang on, our sort of fears are confirmed when we don't have our start 11? Look at what in backup, this is our so called second string team, and on paper, didn't look fantastic. It looked like this type of team you put out... Van Gaal would put out. No criticism of Van Gaal, but he had the plays he had available to him. It wasn't a team with... Was sort of full of inspiration.
1: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean... I think for this one... United just need to... It's, it's a tricky one. I just... I want to see coming this weekend... <laughs> I gotta say, um, I did have a good laugh uh, looking at Twitter, um, seeing the overreaction. Um, you know, we're gonna come last and everything, so that was fantastic. But I just want to see um, for the, for this week that obviously you expect the strongest eleven to be back, and um, you just want to see that there's a fluidity to United playing. I think the biggest concern, particularly, and the good thing that I did take out of this match was uh, they see, the players looked like they were had some sort of sharpness back. Um, so I'd just like to see that from the kickoff or from the get-go that United are really up for it. There was that concern towards the back end where they were sort of starting slow towards games. You just like to see us start fast and hopefully can build for a catalyst to hopefully what should be a good season. Well, before we
0: move on to the Palace preview, obviously the last podcast was sort of a whole Premier League season preview and we looked at all the other clubs. We didn't really touch on United and looking ahead to the season. So I think we'll just do that a little bit. We'll just touch over a few little things. But um, a listener from Northern Ireland got in touch with us, which is always good to hear that we have listeners from outside Australia. But you can follow him on Twitter at Jamie M 655 He just sent us a message through and said that may be a good topic in regards to previewing the season. And I'll throw this question to you, Larry. So which player do you think or do you expect to have the most goals and assists
1: contribution over the course of the season? Uh, easy one for me. Um, I think I think Anthony Martial will be the top scorer. I think he's going to better last season. Um, will he get thirty? I think that's a stretch. Um, however, I, I do expect him to get late to, uh, into the high twenties. Um, in terms of goal contributions, you have to say based on what we saw just in half a season, uh, you'd think Bruno Fernandez with a, a rest and a good off season that he should really get things going again. Um, so I expect him to be quite high, not just for United in terms of goal contributions, but maybe pushing a a certain other Manchester based elite midfielder. We'll wait and see on that one. But yeah, I think it's Martial for the goals and I'd say Bruno for contributions.
0: Yeah, no, hard to disagree, um, there at all. But, um, Look, we definitely do want to get into the palace match because i think there are a lot more talking points than people actually have and again it is a, it's a while away it's the best part of a week away so a lot will change but just in regards to the season would you put a would you sort of do you have a feeling of where we'll finish or what do you expect or what represents a good season for united
1: ah oh, i think finishing top 3 has to be the minimum if we finish top 4 i won't complain though the thing is It's too simple to say you have to keep building. What does that even mean, right? Like, if United finish fourth, but I can see that the football's improving and we're getting more consistent and we're in the top four for longer periods of the season, that to me shows that United are being more consistent and to me that is an improvement. Where else I'd like to see an improvement is, instead of getting to a semi-final, let's try and get to a final this year. Let's try and win a trophy. If we don't win the trophy, that's all right. But that's what I want to see in terms of what I consider progress and what I consider a successful season in terms of we just need to build on what we did last season. Of course, I want us to win every trophy. I want us to win the league. But you have to look at, based on the squad we have and based on this build that United are doing, if United finish top... I'd like to see if we can finish in the top four but be in the top four for a longer period in the season, I'd say that that's success. I'd say a a step further than that, if we can finish third... Even seconds, I think that's definitely achievable. And I'd really like to see us do that. Um, if I had to say where do we finish, I actually think we can finish second, Tom. I, I really do. I, I can just see Liverpool dipping off.
0: Well, just on that, just as you mentioned that, I'm just scrolling through the Facebook account on the United Pubcast Facebook account. And George, who's been on the podcast before, has um, put a comment saying his bold prediction for this season is that we finish above Liverpool on the table. And again, I'm not reading anything into... And I'm telling you, George, that is putting his marbles on the table, which you've just done yourself, Larry. But I think when you see that, when you see... I wouldn't say the deficiencies in the team, because obviously they're a fantastic team. They've won the league, fair play to them, and they're the top of the table at the moment. Well, in terms of points after a game, I think when you look at United on paper, and of course, football's played on grass, not on paper, but if you can add a centre-back to United to sort of complement Harry Maguire and sort of solidify that defence and then add that... X-factor in what potential Jaden Sancho would bring, then, OK, if our midfield clicks, whether it be a manager or a Thiago and Pogba and Bruno have great seasons, look, I'm not going to sit here and say uh, we'll potentially go on to win the league. But if United get off to a good start, and we obviously we've seen United win 13 league titles, you do need luck in every single season. Liverpool had a lot, a lot of luck last season, but the team at the top deserves that luck. I think if we do get a bit of luck, I think if our team clicks, we do have the quality now, or potentially the quality if we bring in those one or two much-needed areas. You just say if we we could potentially finish above Liverpool, well, I'm telling you, if we finish above Liverpool, we have a very good chance of winning the league. And I don't want that to get clipped up and say, we're going to go and win the league. But there's almost that thinking that, geez, if you do bring in that Jaden Sandro, Harry Maguire does get a sort of solid defender next to him, why can't we?
1: I mean, look, I don't think it's impossible. I think United showed last season that they can beat anyone on their day. I think for me, the concern is there's still a lack of depth, particularly in the attacking area. I'm not confident that should Martial go down, for example, I don't think we have the quality to really cover him. The other concern is defensively, and we saw this last season, like while our defensive record was quite good, in those clutch moments, there was just a shakiness about Lindelof and Maguire. Um and I just think without that solid centre half partnership, I can't confidently say that United can win the league with that. In saying that, Pep Guardiola's won the title with questionable defense. However, their attack is elite. Um and while I think United's attack is quite good and the prospect of the midfield and like we've touched on earlier, should they we say get a Tiago, it does help those prospects, but I don't know, I just, like I said, I just think if Martial particularly goes down, I'm quite concerned about how we can sort of accommodate that. Um, Just because I like Aguilar, but he's obviously not prolific and there just isn't a ready-made replacement to sort of come into that spot.
0: Yeah, no, again, I think especially that centre-forward issue is a potential, especially with Aguilar leaving in January. I think he leaves in January. But... um, just on that, yeah, again, for me, it'll always be a trophy. If you win a trophy, it's a successful season. However, you can't win a trophy and then finish. You can't win the League Cup and finish 15th. That's obviously a disaster. So um, you do need to apply a bit of context. But for me, I think, it, look, obviously winning a trophy. However, in regards to the league, just to be comfortable in, in the top four, it's for the top four not to be an issue. It's 10 games to go and no one's discussing it. It's t- 10 games to go. And we've just accepted, yep, we're playing Champions League football next season. That's the sort of position I want to see United in. And I think if we are in that position, we are talking about good football. We are talking about progressing under Solskjaer. So that is definitely what I want. Just a comfortable top four finish, not a spot on. Not, not a last day hoping results bounce our way. But yeah, um, yeah we def- definitely can discuss this um, after a couple of games. And we'll get a far clearer picture Um in regards to not just us, but obviously how the other teams are shaping up after their transfer windows close as well. But we will move on to, finally, our first preview of the season. Now, you have actually brought it up a couple of weeks ago. It seemed every second podcast we were doing was David De Gea versus Dean Henderson. And you brought up the possibility that both players could be at the club. And I scoffed at it and said, nah, it just makes no sense. Which I still agree, it makes no sense. However, here we are, first game of the season. Both are at the club. And Dean Henderson obviously played in the game against Aston Villa and I think it's a discussion a lot of people have forgotten about, is that's the first selection headache of the season for Solskjaer, De Gea or Henderson. And look, while I think it will be De Gea, look, Henderson's played the last game, he's fit, he's played well. Um, by all accounts, he didn't have much to do, but didn't do anything to lose his place, albeit a pre-season friendly. Um, if you're only going to Solskjaer, one, what do you do?
1: And if you're Larry Taylor, what do you expect Solskjaer to do? I'll start with me, because I'm not as important, Um I expect De Gea. Um, If I'm Oli, I'm choosing David De Gea. You can't pay... I know know this sounds stupid. Like, I get it. I get it. But you can't pay a goalkeeper what we're paying a goalkeeper and make him your second choice. He's going to get first dibs at it, and so he should. He had a very promising performance for Spain. I think it was last week or the week before now. But it looks like to have David De Gea of old. And I think the prospect of Henderson being hung around is maybe just to give him a little kick up the backside to say, listen, I need you to really step up the next two weeks because if you don't, he's going to stay and take your spot. But if David does get, really step up this first two weeks, I think you'll see Henderson will go on loan. Yeah, That's what no. I expect. Yeah, so I, I, I think David De Gea starts. I, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if Henderson's in the, in, in the, in the net um, come Sunday morning for us. So. Well, well, yeah, insane. Def-
0: definitely De Gea for me. And I fully agree with pretty much everything you said. And it's a situation which maybe the club do have to look at in a month's time in regards to Henderson's future if De Gea does do well. Which I think is a good point. But I think um, as much as I want De Gea and expect De Gea, I wouldn't sort of so much criticize if Solskjaer does throw Henderson in, what I would do, and it would be risky, but I would definitely applaud Solskjaer for doing it, because Solskjaer is in a position I don't think he's in a position to so called go out and take risks, but as Man United manager, he needs to to an extent and I think there would be no bigger risk and putting his I'd say reputation on the line than throwing Dean Henderson in. So I whether I probably disagree with the decision, but I definitely would applaud his bravery if he did do that, however, in saying that. I do think and sort of hope it will be Davidea, but um, that will be the int- the first name everyone is looking out for on um, Saturday night when the team sheets come through. But move forward 10 yards. Harry Maguire is out of a Greek prison and does look like he'll start. Um, obviously played against Aston Villa. Who on earth, though, are you expecting to partner him in the centre center of defence?
1: I think it'll be Lindelof to start the season. But he's Lindelof. Um, I
0: haven't seen him. Is he training? Is he in England? I, I haven't heard anything about him.
1: Well, that's the thing. I I mean, we haven't heard or seen of him, but I, I'd imagine he's fit. I, 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 I don't, I, like I said, like we haven't heard anything. Um, however, if I'm going to put a Smokey out there, I think Tuan's AB is a chance. I think no, really he's do.
0: still that injured, I think. I'm positive Solskjaer has talked about him still being injured. Surely not. Yeah, no, that, that's what's caused a lot of stir. I think, how is this guy still getting... It? Look, I, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he didn't play against... Um, as Villa, was obviously Fosu Mensah played at centre-back and Mengi played the second half, I think, from all reports.
1: Jeez, well, who knows, mate? Um, I mean, if you're based off that, maybe it'll be Fosu. I think Fosu Mensah has all the attributes to be a wonderful centre-half, by the way. He's got the physical capability. Look, you can ask, does he read the game well? But in terms of technical ability and what Solskjaer values in a centre-half, pace, strength, good on the ball, ticks a lot of boxes. Um, is it risky? Absolutely. But look, let's assume everyone's fit. Like, Who would he pick as his starting centre-half partnership? You'd have to say it's Lindelof. Um, in saying that, if Tuinzebi can get himself fit, I think he's the best shout. Um, just because I think, like, like I'm sort of saying about Fosu Mensah, he's got all the capability of a top centre-half. However, he is a centre-half by trade. Um, so I'd really like to see him get fit and really put his best foot forward. Um, but yeah, you'd have to say it has to be Lindelof. We can't see Bay really getting in um, based on what we saw at the back end of last season. And Phil Jones is probably picking his nose somewhere. So can't see anyone else getting in. Uh, well, Smalling's still at the club technically. Maybe he'll be Smalling. Who knows? Yeah, I saw on Twitter someone was putting a potential
0: eleven and there was Smalling there. But it does look like um, both Roma and United may be getting a little bit closer to a green, some type of permanent deal. But I'm sure maybe by the time you listen to this podcast, there has been a development there. But in regards to discussing names and not quite sure who's fit, who's available to play, we are recording this preview quite early. Obviously, the game is Saturday. This has been recorded on Monday night, Sydney time. So I'm, I'm sure uh, we'll hear developments and reports, and I'm sure Solskjaer will clear a few things up in his press conference. But um, again, moving from centre-back, we'll just, for the final bit, uh, move into midfield, and it'll be an interesting one because I think Van Beek pretty much guaranteed to start, I think, just in regards to... Match fitness, obviously Bruno um, is back I of saw a photo, he arrived at Carrington for training And has been playing for Portugal So I assume Bruno is fit And they'll be the two midfielders um, Who do you expect to partner them in the midfield? Do you expect Solskjaer to go Sort of all out and play Pogba Bruno Evander um, Or do you think there'll be a Matic sitting in behind Or, again, I'm not not sure on Matic's fitness So um, we do need answers from Solskjaer But what do we expect from the midfield three?
1: Yeah, I mean, the press conference should be interesting. Um, on the assumption that Matic is fit, I'm going to say it's Matic, Pogba, Bruno. Um, if Matic is out, I actually still don't think Van Der Beek starts. I actually think he'd actually put a Fred or a McTominay there. Um, not for any reason, I just think he'll want to ease him in. Um, because how long has he been at United? I think he only started training with him at one or two training sessions before his first game. Well, that's, that's one or Villa. two
0: more than Pogba and Bruno this season, though.
1: Yeah that's true but I think you know there's just that familiarity with the players the league they're in etc um I think Venderbeek's a more natural number 10 if I'm being entirely honest and I think that's where he will be looked to be deployed um however he will I'm sure he will pop up all over the midfield and he's definitely versatile but you'd think first up uh, it'd be you'd expect Matic to sit with Pogba
0: Yeah, well, it will be interesting. And again, by the time you listen to this, there might be a um, few updates and we definitely do have to wait for Solskjaer's press conference later in the week, which will definitely um, clear some answers up for us. But um, yeah, that is this week's podcast in regards to the preview for Crystal Palace. Um, Finally, football is back. Uh, Not long to wait. Um, Anything else to add on this week's podcast in regards to any news popping up on your Twitter feed?
1: No, mate, I mean, we just got to stay tuned, don't we? Uh, I think there will something will definitely happen on the transfer front. I'm sure we'll see some sort of development in terms of the Sancho deal, um, Tiago. I, I really do, I don't think either player will be here, but the word is, and when I say the word, I mean my good friend Duncan Castles. Um, he's saying that is sort of pressuring um, Woodward and, and Co to get these players in before the first game of the season particularly Sancho. Uh, So we'll see what happens. And look, I still expect that deal to happen. Um, And I'm sure we'll talk about it in the next podcast. But you'd like to think that that deal will get done. But will it get done before Saturday? And more excitingly and however unlikely, could he play? So that could be an exciting prospect. But just want to keep an eye on, I think.
0: Yeah, I definitely wouldn't be putting money on Man United having a number seven um, for the first game of the season I think any big deal like that If is to happen Which which I think there is still a very good chance Will kind of be a um, textbook United Deadline day drama finish But definitely a podcast Or definitely something we'll cover In future podcasts in, recent, in the coming weeks But um, the reason this preview is a little bit early In regards to being done at the start of the week Rather than at the end of the week Is that Um, Our next podcast is actually a chat with another former player. Can you believe it? We're still getting former players on it. Unbelievable. And again, a Man United player who has more Premier League titles than Steven Gerrard, and that'll be the first question we ask him. Obviously, almost cult hero at United, Luke Chadwick. Um, Chadwick 1, Gerrard nil, is probably the first question I'll bring to him. But um, he will join us on the podcast, and I think he's got an interesting story because he's talking about – he's came out in recent weeks – talking about sort of bullying and how he dealt with bullying um, coming through as a youth player into the first team. So I think he um, has a really interesting story. So looking forward to chatting to him. And um, that'll be up maybe Wednesday or Thursday. And then I think we'll be back same time next week in regards to hopefully um, reviewing the match against um, Crystal Palace in a positive mood and hopefully discussing a win um, next Sunday or Monday Sydney time. But... Um, yeah, if you're holding your phone, while we say every week, if you can, please like the podcast or share the podcast, whatever your app allows. It um does make us feel very special, so we do appreciate that and that you're following on all the social medias. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, the interaction on all those three accounts is very good at the moment, so we appreciate that. And, um, yeah, it's good. It's We're sort of very grateful that every all our listeners have stuck with us over... I know last season did return, but it's still kind of a... A weird sort of setting but football is finally back okay no fans in there but it kind of does feel that football is back now it's back returns this weekend so um it's good to have you back larry and um we'll have to we've got to find a pub soon enough surely
1: oh absolutely mate yeah i'm definitely keen so let's get out there next week and I haven't had a steak in so long. I, I'm starting to feel like a vegetarian, and I've I, I become a very cranky man if that happens. So, yeah, please no, let's get out and get no, a There's no room
0: for vegetarians on this podcast at the pub. Definitely not. But, not um, yeah, hopefully you enjoy the next podcast with Luke Chadwick. And again, next week we will be discussing, um, obviously, Larry's mate, Marshall, scoring a hat trick 3 0. Oh, can ma- bring it on, mate. How good's that? I can't wait. No, nah, beautiful. And we'll chat to everyone then. Right, have a good one. Bye. Yeah.